a summer revival. Y'all having a good time on the summer revival series? All right. Well, uh, Pastor Stephen says it's not about the services. It's a movement. Amen? It's a movement. And so when I think about revival, I don't know what y'all think about, but I know when I was a kid when I heard revival, I would think about, man, we're going to be at church every night this week, and we're going to be there till midnight. You know, I don't know. <laughs> and then as I got a little older, made my opinion change a little bit. But, uh, you know, when I think about revival now, I think about, you know, I just think about, you know, just I think the desire is that we just want God to pour his life into us. Amen? I believe God wants to turn this summer. Amen? God wants to awaken some things inside of us this summer, things that maybe have lost their their flavor or maybe things have kind of died in our life. Maybe it's a, a calling or a mission or a passion that God once had in you. And he wants to bring life to it again. Amen? Have you all allowed God this, this week, this summer, to bring life to your heart again? Man, though, when something is alive and is living, there's movement. There's activity. It's full. Amen? And so I, I want my Christian walk to be that way. I want to be full of life. I want to be active and moving and going somewhere. How about you guys? Amen? And so when you think about that, you know, you think about all the things that the enemy tries to do to, to hinder the flow of God and the life of God inside of us. You think about all the things that he does to try to distract us and, and pull us off course. How many of y'all have experienced that? You know, the enemy just throws things at you and tries to get your mind off of him and get your mind off of what it should be on to, to cut off the life flow from your life. Does anybody else experience that? Amen. So, so we all need revival. Amen. We all need revival. And so, uh, I'm going to share with you, uh, the thing, I guess the thing that has been stirring my heart for the last few weeks, a scripture that I came across and, uh, I've continued on and I it was in Philippians and I've continued on in my, my reading, you know, every day, but every week, two or three times a week, I find myself going back to this one scripture. It's the scripture that has been pricking my heart that gets been kind of like a, a pride, like, like God's just shocking me with it. You know, like there's something there. There's something stirring my heart about this scripture. I just keep going back to it. So I'm going to share that scripture with you guys tonight. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but it's a, it's a story. It's right in the middle of a story of a guy in the Bible that, man, if there's anybody in the Bible that it talks about that did not let the situations and the circumstances of life cut him off from the life of God and the and the, the fullness of God in his in his life, uh, it's this guy. And so it's Paul. It's Paul that I want to talk to you tonight about. And the verse is uh, is found in Second uh, Philippians chapter one. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Second Philippians chapter one with me. I don't know if you're a Bible flipper, a page turner, or a digital guy. And uh, so, <laughs> all right, yes, there is no Second Philippians. Okay. I pulled that on the youth earlier, and they were all looking for it. So I know all you, all you new Christians in your cars, you're like looking for Second Philippians. Well, there's, there's regular Philippians. It's got to be right here somewhere. Come on, honk your horn if you were looking for Second Philippians. All right, all y'all that just honk your horn, we want you to enroll in Bible school. Uh, when we kick off the new section, we're going to give your names to Pastor Lane. But anyway, okay, so regular standard Philippians chapter 1. Verse 20, and I'm using the Passion Translation, and uh, I'll tell you later why I like the Passion Translation, especially for this passage. 
So uh, if you have it on your app or whatever, you can flip over. Go to the Passion Translation and follow along with me. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, No matter what, I will continue to hope and passionately cling to Christ so that He will openly re- be, re- be openly revealed through me before everyone's eyes. So I will not be ashamed in my life or in my death Christ will be magnified. Now, Paul, in a situation, man, that just grabbed me there, no matter what. And so that's the, that's the phrase that caught my eye, and that keeps coming back to me. No matter what, I'll continue to hope. I'll passionately cling to Christ. And so Paul in here, uh, you got to remember, you got to put this in context. Paul right here, he wasn't at the pinnacle of his ministry. He wasn't preaching to thousands. Seeing miracles happen. You know, he wasn't seeing people healed every day. He wasn't going through altar lines and everybody getting knocked out in the spirit. He wasn't seeing all those things. This was, this was not the pinnacle of Paul's ministry. But he said, no matter what, no matter what, I will continue to hope and to cling to Christ. Paul, in this situation, when he wrote this, when he said this, he was in chains in a prison. His life was not ideal. He wasn't in an atmosphere that would exude hope and encouragement and uh, commitment. He wasn't in a, he, it wasn't easy for him. He wasn't sitting in his car with his AC on. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't sitting there in his lazy chair with his iPad and his Bible app and his coffee right next to him. How easy do we have it sometimes? Yet, we deviate from hoping and clinging to Christ. Man, I've been convicted by this. I don't know if y'all have too. Man, I, I hope somebody else is too. I hope y'all feel the conviction. But I was just like, man, no matter what. Paul said no matter what. Man, he was being persecuted. He had people outside preaching Jesus just to make it worse on him. But Paul said no matter what. He had decided that nothing was going to pull him off course. No matter what, I will continue to hope in Christ and passionately cling to Him. And so I love the Passion Translation because if you go look at the uh, the Greek word that was used in this passage, um, I don't know how many of y'all like, how many of y'all study Greek and like looking at that, but I like looking up the original stuff to see the true heart of the message. But the Greek word used here is apokaradokia. And I know I didn't say that right, but it's a lot of syllables there, but apokaradokia. And it can be translated uh, with the deepest and intense yearnings or the concentrated desire that abandons all other interests and all other thoughts and with outstretched hands has expectation. That's a lot in one, but to break it down is three words. Apo, kara, and dokia. Apo means to turn away from or ignore something intentionally. How many of y'all know Paul had to push some things out of his mind to stay focused? Kara means to literally, uh, it translates the head with a sense of watching and looking and being focused on something. And dokia, the third part, means uh, it's described as a stretching forward in expectation or hope. So Paul's saying here that my head, I know I'm in chains, I know I'm bound, I know I'm in prison, I know I'm in bondage, but despite all that, I'm going to hold my head straight. I'm going to hold my head up. I'm going to stay focused. I'm tuned in. I don't, I'm not paying attention to those things 
that, that are surrounding me, but I'm looking ahead, I'm paying attention, I'm focusing on one thing, and that is that Christ be lifted up, that Christ be exalted. Because at the end of the day here, the bottom line in here is he said, he said, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. The end result was he wanted Jesus Christ to be represented and to lift it up, to be exalted through his life, whether his life came to an end or whether his life continued. He said, in my life or in my death. Man, what commitment Paul had, what focus he had to be going through what he was going through, but yet he stayed desperate to see Jesus Christ lifted up. And he said, no matter what, look at somebody beside you and say, no matter what. Look at the person in the car next to you and say, no matter what, I will hope. I think the mic just changed. I don't know. that. Did y'all add some echo to make it more dramatic? Am I not being dramatic enough? Y'all can do that. Go ahead. Add some echo. All right. So no matter what, I'm going to hope. And, you know, Paul knew, he knew how important it was to hope. Because, you know, when the enemy, we talk about revival, you know, usually that has to be done if something was revived and now it has to be revived, right? So what the enemy loves to deflate us in the quickest way he can take your fire, take your passion from you is to make you lose hope. And Paul knew the importance of hope because hope is the prerequisite to faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without hope, there never is faith. you got to have hope before you have faith. And Paul said, I, I will hope. No matter what, I will continue to hope. Because he knew if he kept hope alive inside of him, then faith would kick in and things would move. How I many of you know faith is what moves God? It's by faith that we're saved. And everything else that we get from God comes through faith. And so it's important that we keep our hope alive because if you can hope in something, then that hope will turn to faith. And that faith is what moves mountains. Faith is what, faith is what you use when you speak to the mountain and you say, be cast in the sea and it goes. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what comes against you, if you can have faith for that thing, that thing can't stand against you. So hope must stay alive. Paul knew this. And that word, that apodic, Apocardokia, you know, it basically saying that uh, this, it describes, back in those days, they used it as a word that described a watchman that would sit on the wall and they would watch even through the dark of night. They would watch and look for the first gleam. And I read this. I wrote that. I copied this down. For the first gleam of a distant beacon that would symbol, symbolize or announce victory had been won. So this picture of Paul is that, man, his head is upright. He's looking. He's watching. And even though he's chained, he's looking for what Jesus is going to do. He's looking for the victory, even in the midst of his bondage. He said, I'll continue to hope. No matter what, I'll continue to hope. But not just hope, but I'll continue to cling to Christ. To cling to Christ. You just get the picture in your mind. Clinging to Christ, the, that, that word in the description there, it talks about, it shares, it paints the picture of Paul's desperation that he knew that if he held on to the hope that Jesus gave him, to the hope that Jesus provides, if he just held on to that, then things would change, then victory would come. I continue, no matter what, to cling to Christ. 
Because he knew that clinging to Jesus was the only thing that could bring life. You want revival in your heart? The only thing that can bring life and fullness in your life is Jesus Christ. No matter what. But we have to get to the point, first off, where we say no matter what. We're not going to let the things. And how many of you know the last year and a half, you've had a lot of things, a lot of things that tried to distract you and hold you back. A lot of things that tried to frustrate you and depress you and beat you up. If the Rona didn't do it, then all the regular things in life does it. Stress on the job, finances, marriage struggles, relationship struggles, health and sickness, everything. All those things the enemy throws at us. There's so many things. If you're not sitting in a prison right now, or maybe maybe you know somebody that is. If you're in this parking lot, you're not in jail. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's something you can give thankful about. But anyway, but you may not be shackled physically, but I mean, every one of us, we've got shackles that the enemy has tried to latch onto us to hold us back. Because he knows when you have hope in Jesus and when you're clinging to Jesus, then his kingdom is threatened. Amen. If you're fighting things right now, if you're fighting a hard battle, I want you to know the enemy fights the things that he fears. He fights against things that threaten his kingdom. And so if you're fighting a battle right now, know that there's potential in you to rob the enemy's kingdom. And he doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want that for your family. He doesn't want the fullness and the life and the revival that God has for you, for your family, for those you know. And he's going to fight it. He tries to shackle us and hold us back. But how many of y'all want to be like Paul tonight and say, no matter what, y'all say, no matter what. Come on, you're in your cars a lot of you. I want to hear it. No matter what, no matter what, I will continue to hope. I will continue to cling to Christ. This clock's not working. I have no idea how much time I have. So if y'all got a countdown, put it up there for me. But real quick, clinging to Christ. Well, that told about Paul's desperation. And in verse 27, he wrote again, whatever happens, whatever happens, no matter what, in verse 20, whatever happens in verse 27, do you get the sense that Paul is trying to get across to us here? No matter what happens, whatever happens, no matter what, we've got to come to a place in our life where we have the resilience, the commitment, and the determination to say no matter what, whatever happens in this life, whatever happens, verse 27, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel. How many of y'all know the things that we face, the struggles that we go through, maybe the, the reports we get from the doctor or from our boss or whatever, we don't have to live by the circumstances that we face. But we should live by the reality of the gospel of Christ. And the gospel of the of Christ is good news. Amen? The gospel of Christ is, is news of salvation, of forgiveness, of deliverance, of provision, of safety. We need to live like we say we believe. Amen? We can talk Jesus on Sunday and Wednesday, but it's not going to really do anything for us until we begin to live life based on the reality of what Jesus did for us. Amen? So I want you Ooh, I got a minute. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, so, so, man, I want you to, if you don't take take anything else tonight, I want you to just go away from here saying, whatever. <laughs> whatever happens. Some of y'all don't like it when your teenagers say whatever. 
But now when they say whatever, you can get happy about it and just shout with them. Say, whatever happens, whatever happens, no matter what, I will hope in Jesus. I will cling to Jesus. A short story. It still says 815. That's my stopping time. So I got 30 seconds. Really quick, a short story that really, to me, helps really wrap up and sum up clinging. And I think I've told this before. I told it to the youth a few weeks ago. But it's a story of King Xerxes. It's, now, this is a myth. There was a King Xerxes, but this part was a myth. But it's still a great story. King Xerxes was known for being a, a hard man, a hard king, a powerful king. Man, he was a warrior. He was a fighter. When he wanted something, he took it. He won battle after battle. He conquered, uh, conquered nation after nation. He conquered all kinds of lands. He was known for his vicious victories. Spared nothing. When he won something, he won it completely and totally. He wiped out people groups. He was a hard man, a hard king, merciless. But he was powerful. But one day, he was captured. He was captured by an army, uh, an opposing army, and they captured him. And because of what he had done, because of his reputation, they said, we, want you, we, want, we don't want you to live, but we're not going to let you die an easy death. They took him out into shark-infested waters. They rode him out there. They took him out, and they threw him out. They said, we're just going to let you get eaten by the sharks. But King Xerxes knew his only hope, his only chance for survival was that boat that dropped him off. And the story goes that King Xerxes latched onto the boat with his hand. They tried to pry him loose. They couldn't pry his hand loose. He held on with everything he had because he knew aside, of that, aside from that boat, he was dead. Nothing could save him. They cut his right hand off. He reached out and grabbed on with his left hand and said, I have to stay with this boat or I will die. They cut off his left hand. And after that, he latched onto the boat with his teeth. Because he knew if that boat left and he wasn't with that boat, that boat was the only thing that could save him. He latched on with his teeth. This story doesn't have a happy ending for Xerxes. He lost his head. He died. But anyway, the point was he latched on with everything he had until he had nothing to latch on to that boat because he knew that boat meant life. If we don't latch on and cling to Jesus, that's what I think about when I read Paul saying, I I cling to Jesus Christ. If we don't cling to Jesus with that kind of passion, with that kind of knowledge, knowing that He is the only life that we have, then we don't cling enough. Amen? Then we're not hungry enough. Then we don't understand exactly who Jesus is and what he can do for us. So I'll leave you with that. Whatever it takes. Everybody say, whatever it takes. Whatever happens. Amen. I'll continue to hope. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys.